Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Bryn, and I'm so glad you're here. Today on this episode, I get to chat with Laura. Laura and I have been friends since junior high and high school, where we met in our church's youth group. Laura and her husband and her three young boys are currently working in South Asia. I know you're going to be blessed by this episode. We talk about her experiences there, and also we talk about some funny memories that we've had growing up together. So be encouraged. So welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. Um, this is Ren, your host, and I'm super duper excited to talk with my friend, Laura. So welcome, Laura. Thank you for having me, Ren. This yeah, is fun. It is. It's going to be fun. So I have to tell you something funny before I got on Skype. I um, I was like, I ate my bowl of cereal. Here's my bowl of cereal and my little snack. It's like late at night here and then... Laura is, uh, it's like in the morning where she is. So, but anyway, I have my cereal. Maybe you had cereal, but I had cereal too. So there you go. But, well, let me tell you, Ren, I have not had my cereal yet this morning, but yesterday morning I got up, I got dressed, I put my makeup on and I sat down to my computer to Skype with you. And yesterday, as I, yesterday, <laughs> and as I, as I sat down, I realized that we said, Hey, let's record on Wednesday, 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 and it right. was, it was Wednesday. It in was South Wednesday Asia. where you are. Yeah. It was Wednesday, but it was Tuesday in America. Yes. And, I love it. Yes. Yeah. I so it. I sat down here and I just looked at my You're little ready. Skype and I thought, she's just not coming on. I just think there might be something wrong. <laughs> I wonder where she is. Oh my word. That yeah, is hilarious. It was my fault. I, well, asked, I asked David the time difference and then I, but I did not consider the day. That's hilarious. So, yes. I didn't even think about it. But I did think about it because I saw an email and it said Tuesday. And I had to make sure that it was the same day. But that is hilarious. That was well, probably me emailing you when I was sitting in front of my computer that, thinking, it's Wednesday night. <laughs> like, hey, I'm ready. Are you ready? That's hilarious. Well, you know what I just did? I just ate my bowl of cereal. And, you know, I just went and I was like, oh, I need to go brush my teeth. Really? I need to go brush my teeth. And that's another thing is I usually don't do video, but now I'm excited because we're doing video. And I accidentally clicked it, and I was like, oh, no, video. But I'm kind of excited. because. But, of course, I didn't do anything. Like, the hair is greasy, the no makeup. And so I'm, it's, it's all good. We're friends. We're, it's all good. We're friends. We're friends of a feather, really. So we're friends of a feather. I love you. Okay, so we got to talk about how we met each other. And I don't remember, okay. like, meeting. Like, I this is what I remember. I just remember us in the youth group and, like, Seventh and eighth grade, going on choir tours, wearing the awful pink and white striped dresses, and the yes. teal dresses, the turquoise teal with the big white shoulder collar. pads. Yeah, shoulder pads. Okay, what Lots do you remember back then? That's what I remember. Ren, I, I I don't remember specific either. Mm-hmm. I do remember. I think probably the first one of the first major encounters would have been. The God Bless America tour. Do you remember that with yes. the striped yes. outfits? And I yes. think there was a bandana included. There has to be a bandana included. Yes. Yes. And we totally. had cowboy hats that we uh-uh. Uh-uh. we did no. move in the air in in mm. pretty significant motions. It was yes. that saddle up your horses? I think it was saddle was- up your horses. <laughs> it was. I can still do the motions. I can yes. totally. Whoa, whoa. Yes, I can totally do yes. it too. I so love it. that is what I remember. And I'll say okay. this. When I heard you and Robin on the very first episode, I, I'm 7,000 miles away, okay? Right, okay? And I'm sitting on my bed, and I felt like I had just walked up 
in the church lobby and just happened upon <laughs> friends. And it was so awesome. fun. And this That's is what great. I always remember about you and Robin from when we were in youth group. You know, I was a year younger than you. I'm scared. And I know it's good. And I remember that you guys were always, you were always kind to us. You oh. were never, ever too cool oh. to hang out with the younger girls. Mm. It really mattered to me. Oh my and goodness. I just, that is always how I would think of you and Robin, like totally mm. funny. I just always wanted to hear what you were saying because you were so funny, but you were always so kind to us. You, you never so made sweet. us feel like little and stupid. Oh my goodness. I've never heard that. Mm-hmm. That is so sweet. In youth group, you met your husband, right? I did. We did not get married until we were 27. So we were just friends for a really long time. Is that the best yeah. way to go or what? Oh, my goodness. Is it the best way to go? Yes. Girl, okay. you got to spend every day of your life with that man. Marry a friend. I love it. Marry I a love friend. It. <laughs> Keep him in the friend zone as long as you can. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I love this about your wedding. And I think... I think my mom helped coordinate. She was my coordinator. Okay. Your mom was. was. Okay, I thought she was. So when you and Robin were talking in that first podcast, I was just rolling. You were talking about how your mom's planned your wedding. I was like, your mom literally planned my wedding for me, Ren. Literally. (laughs) Hey, that's the best way to do it. I'm like, hands off. Um, So I remember that you got, you were probably the first, or if the only, that got the the picture, the best picture ever. Where you were on in the church lobby and everybody that all the guests were behind y'all and you took a, and they and the photographer took a picture. I love it. It was it, it, it still it's like a where's Waldo of everyone I've almost ever known because it, it was just it. so sweet. Yeah, it was not my idea. Rachel, a girl from our church, she ran into me when I was running one day and she told me that she had done that at her wedding. And I just loved that idea. I it was it. not originally mine, but oh, I have never regretted that. I just love, love having that. Picture. I love that. I remembered. I remember that and I thought, okay, that's the coolest thing ever. I it's think in that's my great. living room. It's <gasps> in my living room. So no. I brought it all the way to South Asia with me. Yes. Oh, I love oh. that. Now that's even, that's going to make me cry. That's sweet. I loved it. That was my favorite thing. Okay, your honeymoon. Tell us about your honeymoon quickly about what what y'all did. Like, I think I remember. So oh, hilarious. I, I can't think, believe you remembered this. I think okay, I remember I always this. have to clarify. Okay. We went to Charleston, South Carolina okay. on our honeymoon. Okay. And David, we stayed at a nice hotel, okay. and it was, it was very romantic. It was so sweet. But then, then we drove across the country for 30 days, and we camped, and we slept in our SUV, and we yes. stayed in, like, little, we stayed in a lot of, like, motel six. I love it. I, I love this so much. That's what I remember. Um, yeah, but we call that our first family vacation rent. And, and, and because because that would not be so romantic for him to take me to do that on our honeymoon. Okay. But it was so fun. That and I'll fun. say it was like the best way to start a marriage because uh-huh. girl, if you were in a car with uh, someone for thirty days straight, yeah. just just the two of you, you were gonna have to learn to communicate. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was like a crash course in marital communication. Absolutely. The first thirty was, days of your of your married life. I love it. I totally, well, I did not know about the South Carolina part. So I was just like going, like I was thinking you were backpacking somewhere, but it was in, but it was United States, but it was. It was in the U.S. Okay. It, it was, was in the U.S. Yeah. 
podcast. I love I think it. Though. We drove like seven thousand miles. Like how we, fun is that? Like that's all. Awesome. It was crazy. That's we were great. just at a really unique season of life. We were mm-hmm. able to do that because David was about to start seminary. Okay. So we kind of had we had some flexibility. That's awesome, and that's good. Yeah. Do it, men, right? And <laughs> do it right. You, you can. Would, I mean, now looking back, I'm like, we would never ever be able mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. we're retired. Yeah. I mean, until we're 65, exactly. we probably would never do that again. Like Paul that and do it when you're 65. Absolutely. Well, that leads me to the next thing. When did you realize that you really had a heart for people in different countries or that you really felt called or led that you were going to go be a missionary in a different country? Sure. Still remember just being a really little girl. And back then we had GAs, which was called Girls Mm -hmm. in Action. Mm -hmm. And they would bring missionaries in. And I still vividly remember being, I could not have been more than six or seven, probably more like five. And sitting in those rooms and just somebody coming in dressed all in African apparel. And just a missionary who had just, she had brought some native clothes home and just being absolutely fascinated. And I feel like the Lord really put that fascination in me, even from, Mm. even as a little child, I remember saying to people when I was little, pretty little, that I wanted to be a missionary. And I feel like it was just something that the Lord really just wove into my heart. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And when I finally went to Africa, just right out of college, I felt like, I felt like I was living my lifelong dream. Like I really did feel that way. And so for me, I really acknowledged like a call kind of, as we would say, Mm -hmm. kind of within our denomination when I was about 15, when I was 16 in youth group, just really acknowledged that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there was just this way of the Lord putting to puzzle pieces as I kind of grew in my understanding of the Bible and the broader plan of the Lord for my life, because I feel like I had to walk through kind of what those steps look like, acknowledging that call. And then also, as I got into college, really looking at the word and beginning to sense, because I had always kind of hoped it would be like, I would be the single missionary in the depths of Africa. That to me was like the epitome mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. a life call. Like Elizabeth Elliot. You would yeah, be exactly. Yeah. She was my hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just read everything by her. Mm-hmm. And um, and as I started to study the Word, honestly, as I started to study the Bible, I just began to see that the Lord's normative pattern is for a woman to marry and to have children. And so really having to work through something that had been a dream of mine and then also looking at the Word and saying, I really began to, to sense that the Lord his calling for me was as a wife and a mother. Mm. And I still had this calling to missions. And now it seems so simple. Of course, now I look back and I'm like, Mm. the Lord was just weaving that. But at the time it felt really confusing. It Mm. felt like there were a lot of different pieces. And now just watching the Lord bring David and I together and um, all the ways that he's kind of worked out our calling has been so sweet. But I I do remember just years of thinking, this just does not make sense. There are just so many pieces of what I feel like the Lord is calling me to, and they just don't make sense. And now I look at my life and I'm like, oh, they make beautiful sense. Like it's Mm -hmm. a beautiful, beautiful thread that he just wove through. That's awesome. So tell us after you are married and then you have your firstborn son to come along, and then y'all move to a new country with an 18-month-old, correct? Yes, he was He was 18 months when we moved okay. to South Asia. And now he's six so, months, six years. Six years. I know. Crazy. I know. How does time do that to you? I know. It does. So, it. 
I have to be honest, I don't even know how to have this conversation because when I think about it, I think now, like Uh we are in the middle of a move right now. Mm -hmm. So in two months, we're moving to a new country and it'll be a new language. The Mm. kids are going to have to, they're going to have to go to school in two foreign languages, not just one, two foreign languages. Yes. And so now looking back, I'm like, he was 18 months. Everything was so easy. Uh No big deal. Now I have three kids under six and we're about to move. Uh You know, you just, you progress in those things. But I would say that probably one of the biggest things that I had to deal with in moving to just, I think you could put that to a new city, a new country, mm-hmm. just a, a life change that looked really different than the way that I had grown up. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really had to lay down was my expectations of what my children's childhood would look like. Oh, okay. Because I think in your mind, usually you think your kid's childhood will look like yours. And it's just so easy to feel like that is what it should look like. Praise the Lord. I had a really good childhood, you know, like it was Mm -hmm. a really, I grew up, we just grew up in a sweet community and I just, I love that heritage, but I really have to lean into Psalm 139 a lot that says that God has ordered, he's ordered my children's days already Mm. and he has a story for them and it's different than mine. Mm-hmm. And it really, it might mean, Rin, that they grow up to love eating curry. <laughs> you know? And that that's okay, home, right? What they think about is not chicken and dumplings, it's curry <laughs> and rice. I love it. And that's okay. Well, that's okay. And that's a release for you, like you said. You had to make a choice about it to, to release yes. them. Because that, that would be a hard thing to work through, I would think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I moved to a small town when my son was six months old. And it was... 20 miles away. I mean, I can't imagine what you were going through at that point and now moving your family with three. I'll say one of the things that I love about this lifestyle that David and I have chosen to live is this, Ren. Like, we put ourselves in a lot of situations where the honest answer is that if the Lord does not move on our behalf, we cannot make it. Mm. We really cannot make it. And, And I think that there there's just a beauty to that, like just a beauty to say in, um, like we really cannot do this apart from the Lord's help. Mm. And I think that's always true, but it's so easy to feel like it's not when you're in a familiar setting. And when you are thrown into really unfamiliar settings, you just have to deal with the reality of it, that Mm -hmm. you just are not, you're not enough to be able to cope with this kind of change. Mm, that's a good word. You're not enough to cope with this. Wow. Just not. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what would you say to a person that is maybe thinking about full-time missions, maybe international missions? What, what is a step that they can do to kind of lead them to, to see, is this what the Lord is calling me to do? What do they need to do? What's a step that you would suggest that they would need to do to pursue that? I think one of the most practical steps is just to be involved in something short term or if you have young kids to get involved with internationals where you are. Like I would say, you know, instead of signing up for um, the women's Bible study this semester, sign up to teach ESL. Mm, Good. the Middle East or something. Just put yourself in a position to be around internationals. And, um, 
I would say that's just a really healthy first step. And it's not something that you need a lot of money or even tons of time to do. You know, just you take your kids to that Wednesday night class and you offer to be involved in the ESL ministry or something. If your church has that or there are lots of, I mean, our city has just some great organizations Mm -hmm. that are involved in international's lives. You know, when I was in, um, when I was at home, I used to go and with kids who English was their second language and they just needed somebody to help them read books. Mm. And it was so simple. And I think just little things like that are, are a big deal um, in kind of growing your heart towards the love for the nations because that's so in the Bible and it's so easy, particularly kind of in, I think in not surrounded by people who aren't like you. It's, it's easy to just kind of look at that as a distant, like, oh, maybe one day kind of thing, instead of saying, like, there's probably, for most people, there's probably a neighbor on their street who's from a different country, and they probably feel really alone in this culture. Mm. So, and it's going to be awkward, but, you know, just work through those cultural differences. For sure. And I will say that, in generally speaking, in most um, countries, particularly in the East, um, the eastern part of the world, not of the U.S. Um, most people are, most societies are considered much more hospitable as far as inviting people into their homes and kind of reaching out to them. Like we are received so warmly by our neighbors. That's I mean, awesome. just oh, I could be in someone's house every day. Literally, I could be in someone's house every oh, day. I love that with, with my three children and all the wildness that that would bring, but they're just really hospitable people. And so I think a lot of times as Americans, we feel kind of awkward, Mm -hmm. even about talking about that. And I've just found that that is not really actually the case, particularly with the more Eastern section of the world. They're very spiritual people. And it's a very normal question, not to be antagonistic, but to be interested and Mm -hmm. to be um, curious enough to ask and and bold enough to share and um, I think just with with kindness comes a lot um, of open um, conversation and so I, I think yeah I, even looking back at my you know it, me in the past I think it took thrusting me into a place where literally 99% of my neighbors are not believers so I cannot surround myself with believers like that is not really possible. And it has just helped me so much. I think this is the first time in my life that most of my friends are not believers. They worship other gods. They worship idols. Literally, they worship idols. And it helped me um, to, to just be able to share not in like a street evangelist way, mm-hmm. but in a way that just um, is like, in the part of everyday life, you know, mm-hmm. just on the school bench with people. And I definitely am not doing that perfectly, but I have certainly grown in that That's over awesome. these years of just being surrounded by people who worship very, very differently than I do. Mm-hmm. And that's the, like, you form relationships that way. Yes. You know, like that. That's awesome. And they become, they're, no, they're not projects. Mm. They're my friends. Mm. And that is a huge difference. Mm. That is a huge difference. It is yeah. not like, let me, let me missionary you. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. I love, like when we leave this country, I will weep mm. over my friends. Mm. Um, oh, that's huge. So I want to say one more thing because I love that. 
but I also want to say one thing that I always like to tell, particularly people who are interested in missions, that there's this really romantic view of missions that can really poison reality. Okay. So I just always want to be really clear that a lot of my days here are filled. They're just literally filled with diapers and with dishes Mm -hmm. and with hard relational and cultural moments and just a lot of hard everyday mundane things that mm-hmm. make up life and you just don't get to escape that like it is mm-hmm. not like reading a missionary biography those biographies are snapshots of a whole life mm-hmm. and so one of the things that I really encourage ladies who are looking at um, missions is is that to really dig in to working on contentment in your own situation mm-hmm. because contentment is not you in a different set of circumstances there's a temptation to say, well, if me and my husband could just get overseas and if we could just be serving the Lord in some big, mm-hmm. big all of a sudden way. I would be content. And that's just not true. It's mm-hmm. a heart issue because even on this side, I still have to deal with kids waking up in the night, mm-hmm. like maybe last night. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So if you're, you know, to that lady who's maybe looking around you thinking, if I could mm-hmm. just do something meaningful mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. I would be okay. What you need to do is joyfully obey right where you are because a flight across the ocean will not change that heart. Mm-hmm. And, and so just dig into being content to truly being content in Christ alone. There's no set of circumstances or some kind of romantic view of what life overseas is like will change that. Um, it's only, only Christ is he is the source of our contentment, not what we do. And no matter if you're here in the U S or if you're, you know, thousand miles away, that's not going to fix that. That's not going to change it. That's good. That's a good word for sure. Okay. So on that, when you said that there, your days consist of changing diapers and doing Monday things and waking up in the middle of the night with your kids, I had a 5.30 AM wake up call by mine this morning. So I'm like, I'm get, I get you. And he's three, you know what I mean? Like, wow, we're all there. You're raising three energetic, sweet boys. (laughs) <laughs> they are energetic, Rin. They're so energetic. So tell me, <laughs> what is the type of a typical day in your world? I want to hear it. Okay. This is such a funny question because there is just no typical day <laughs> in my life right now. Okay, okay. But, well, and I will say, I will say that for for the most part, you know, here they go to school starting at about age three. So a lot of our day here revolves around school. So I still have, you know, my youngest is, he is 15 months. So I have a Mm six-year-old, I have a four-year-old, and then I have a 16-month-old. So a lot of my day is really just packing lunches, Mm -hmm. getting everybody out the door for Mm -hmm. school. Um, I I do the pickup and I cannot tell, I cannot even tell you the kind of traffic that's here. I mean, I just can't even describe it. I remember seeing a picture. It's insanity. Yes. And it, and you explaining it and I I was glued to it. It was amazing. It's I need to post a video about, Uh of like my drive to school. Yes. The kids, they are coming back. A lot of it, um, for me right now, I'm starting to pick up another language um, that we're going to need to learn in this new place. So a lot of my time when we first got here was, like, centered around getting the kids off to, like, they went to school, language study, um, which, I mean, honestly, the thought of another language makes me want to hide under my bed. No joke. I mean, it makes me want to crawl under there and just take. Oh, my goodness. But really, truly... And so David does a lot of Bible teaching. Mm -hmm. 
South Asian pastors and leaders, um, because our kind of goal from the start has been if we can train nationals to go out and share their faith, if we can train nationals to be passionate about the gospel, then when our visa expires, which it is now, which is what is prompting our new, our new location, then these guys that we have trained and taught the word, they can carry on that work. So David spends a lot of time doing that. And consequently, I'm at home. I spend a lot of time just picking spaghetti noodles up off the floor that my 18 month old just poured out everywhere. Thank you for saying that. That, that's really what that. I spend mm-hmm. the bulk of my time doing. Yes. Young, young motherhood, I mean, it's just that is the way that it mm-hmm. goes. It goes no matter you what just, country you you're in. You cannot escape the mundane. You cannot <laughs> escape it. You it's there. have got to embrace it. Okay. And what would you say to a, a woman who is maybe in a different uh, country from her family or maybe, you know, maybe she's doing this on her own? Or what would you say to a woman, a mom that's going through that right now? That's just there right. by, by herself with the kids. Yeah. I think the same thing can happen even if you just leave your hometown. Like I have a friend who they moved away from our hometown and she just deals with loneliness in a very, we really relate on that level because she deals with loneliness in a way that I really understand because I'm 7,000 miles away from right. my family right. and 7,000 miles and even 300 miles when you have little kids, those are I mean, there are differences, but there are some big similarities too. Mm-hmm. And it's so a big deal. I would just, big it deal. is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I feel like one of the graces that the Lord has put in my life here is I found a group of about three or four ladies and I pray with them on a weekly basis. And we just let our kids run wild and we just really get on our knees together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't have opportunity for huge Bible studies or things like that that are really programmed. But to me, that fellowship has just been invaluable because we're just, um, I just need people. I need ladies around me. And so, and I'll be honest, there was about a year and a half when we first got here when I did not have that. And I begged the Lord to, to give me community. And he did. And it, but it was a long road. It was not like I prayed. And then the next day I had friends, Mm -hmm. I had to work at it. I had to really kind of grit my teeth sometimes and say, I'm going to put myself out there until I find the ladies that I can really do life with. And it, and it took a little while to find that, but I, but I think if you are willing to make that effort, um, you're just, yeah, it's, it probably is going to be a struggle, but it's so worth the effort on the other side of it. Mm. And, Another thing I would I love to recommend if ladies are feeling like they're kind of in that lonely season. Oh, we talked about Elizabeth Elliot earlier, but she has this beautiful book called Loneliness. Mm. And it it was really it was a marker for me really? in in working through some of the loneliness issues of living away. Um, because it just I think it kind of normalized loneliness to me and made me realize that, hey, like it's okay it's okay to be lonely. Like it's okay. And, and just Mm -hmm. learning how to lean into God in that and really offer that up as a sacrifice to him. Mm, I love that. That's great. I wrote that book down because I want to, um, definitely have that, a link to that for sure for people that might want to get that resource. That sounds like a really good resource. Um, how do you find time for yourself in the midst of your busy life? Because we all know we have to find some for ourselves, but ooh, some days we don't know if we can get it or not. What do you do? How do you find it, Laura? Well, I need to know. You know, 
I know. I know. Well, you know, I'm a big introvert, Ren. I mean, I am a huge introvert. Okay, Are okay. you an introvert or okay. extrovert? Listen to this. I don't know this. Let me tell you. I thought I was an extrovert for all of my life, and I'm about to turn 37, and guess what? I'm an introvert. Yes. I, I said I it not, into the microphone. I'm an introvert. You are too. See? We're like, we're flourishing right now because we're one-on-one. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me tell you, mm-hmm. this is, you can, you, you can cut this, but there's this podcast called quiet <gasps> and it's, it's a podcast all about introverts and it's <gasps> so good. If you're an introvert, just go and get it. I had tears streaming down my face. <laughs> the first, the first podcast I was like, this is my life. <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. this is so it's good. It's really good. So I'm a, I'm a big introvert. So one of the parts of my daily schedule that is so important to me is having quiet in the house every afternoon. Mm. So this takes some serious work. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a, and a 15-month-old who thankfully naps in the afternoon. Oh, that's so good. I like, you know, drag my 15-month-old uh-huh. around and will not let him go to sleep in the morning uh-huh. so that yeah. at, at 1230 or 1, mm-hmm. this boy, you know, we are outside. You know, I'm like, yep. you're going to run. Uh-huh. You're going to run this out. <laughs> and so he can take like one afternoon nap instead of two okay. little naps, which is what I did with my first That's good. little ones. That's good. I so, like that. So that he will have like usually a two-hour block. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I just, I have just been really strict with my boys and I just make them go to their room and play. Yeah. And I just say, you cannot come out and talk to mommy. I just need to rest. This is mommy's rest time. That's good. And and I know that this sounds so lazy, but I really, I lay down on my couch at a minimum for 20 to 25 minutes mm. and I do not talk. I don't listen to anything. I don't usually read. I mm. lay there mm. and I just feel like this is, I think that, and it, everybody doesn't have to do this, but I think you need to find something, even if you're not an introvert, you right. need to find something that you can build into mm-hmm. your schedule and say, I'm not going to feel guilty about this time. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get up and do the dishes. I'm not going to look around at the messy house. I'm yes. going to say, this is like, this is feeding my soul because I, I really feel like when I get up after that 20 or 25 minute break, I just feel like my brain is fresh again. Yes. I feel like I can make it through the rest of the day yes. without screaming at my kids. Probably. Everyone will have to be in the room for the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Don't take that time. Exactly. <laughs> You're right. Because then we need that time. We need yes. it. It's refuel. It. It's calming. It's remember back okay. to the book we both read and we both love the faith of, um, okay, the faith of Mr. Rogers, of Mr. Rogers' yes. neighborhood. Yes. Remember all the quiet he talked about? That is it. And especially yes. moms. Hello. I think that motherhood really drove that in for me because it's so nonstop. And my kids, you know, now they like to talk to me. I, 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 I always wondered why I love babies so much. And I've started to think that it's because I do love children, but the constant verbal interaction is so difficult for yes. me. Introvert. Yes. It is so hard. It is. I'm like, shh, shh, Let's just have some quiet. Yeah. Let's play the yeah. quiet game. And so... Yeah, so just, and you know, I have one, my older one, he's an introvert, so he loves that quiet time. Mm. And then I have, my middle one is a heavy extrovert. I mean, the kid just, he's like, you can tell at four, he's like, I'm life of the party, I know it, and I want it. Like, here we are. And I just, it has been healthy for him. Like, oh, he, good. He, he, we 
all need to learn to have, be okay with a little bit of quiet. So Absolutely. I think whatever that is, whatever that sweet okay. spot is for you, not holding it up as something that like, you know, obviously there are going to be days when you don't want to shout at your kids over, mm-hmm. I've got to have my 20 minutes, <laughs> but just, you know, not holding it as an idol, but holding it as something that you say, this is a valuable part of my schedule. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to devalue it by feeling like it's a laziness or mm-hmm. something that I don't need because I have found that like build, it can build up. And if I'm not taking that daily rest, mm-hmm. what happens is that then, you know, I'm having some breakdown and my husband has to send me out for like you know, a 10 hour coffee date or something, yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah. Then we get to that point and then we're so worn yeah. down. We're like, I'm going to get on that. I'm going to a Walmart or you're going to the market, you know, like yeah. I got to get David out. Would so much rather, you know, there'd be a few toys scattered, a few more uh-huh. toys scattered at the end of the day because I didn't get to cleaning up and having a happy wife. I like that. I like that. That's yeah. good. That's good. Good word for everybody. Every mom for sure. Needs just to take that 20 minutes. I love it. I love it. Whatever that looks like. Whatever it looks like. Yeah, just 20 minutes of rest today. I love that. I think that's good. Of quiet. Okay, so I do want to talk and ask you to share a little bit about your experience with this. I know a lot of women um, either have experienced this or in the middle of going through this. I feel like there are women listening right now, and they are dealing with this grief. And I just want you to just share a little bit, just some truths that God showed you through that journey of when you um, suffered a miscarriage. Yeah. I love that you brought this up, Ren. I, I'm so grateful because I, I feel like lately ladies are more open to talk, talking about this. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of in more recent years. And I just think that's a really healthy part of the process. Um, you know, I, so this would have been my third, this would have been my third pregnancy. Okay. And, um, so I had two pretty little kids and, um, it, honestly, the pregnancy was a surprise, but I was so happy. I was so excited about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I went to the doctor and honestly, I mean, I went by myself, you know, in the middle of South Asia when mm-hmm. the doctor experience here, I mean, let's just say there's not a lot of bedside manner. So anyways, you know, that, that kind of aspect of it, I really just went into it kind of thinking, okay, this is, everything's going to be fine. And I got in that ultrasound room. And there was just that stillness on the screen mm. and it just really caught me off guard. I just really, I, you know, it's not like I was naive to think that I couldn't go through a miscarriage, but it just, I think until you're kind of looking at that screen, there's still hope, you know, that everything's okay. And so it just felt pretty, um, pretty surprised and very alone, you know, there I'm sitting, it was, it was just a hard experience just as, as things unfolded because, um, I just had to deal with it, you know, in a different country where the communication is not going to be, um, quite the same. And so I just felt a lot of grief and I think that walking through, I mean, I think that walking through that grief is one of the most important things that you can do. Uh, I think that it's a way that you can even, Honestly, in a culture, I've just watched our world, not just in the U.S., but even here in South Asia, I feel like they're constantly battling to give broader and longer access to like late-term abortions and to um, kind of downplay like um, what 
what life is like um, from the start. Mm -hmm. And I think as believers, like holding that view that um, a baby is a baby, no matter how small. I think that when you have a miscarriage, one of the ways that you can battle that broader cultural view is to, is to grieve honestly that this was a baby, Mm -hmm. whether you were six weeks along or whether you were um, really far along. I think that grief um, is important because it, it says there's something to be sad about and that we value life and that, um, that we are families that want to welcome little ones. Mm -hmm. And I I just think that for me, it really helped me, um, to kind of think that through and say, like, I want to acknowledge this as a life because I really believe that to be true. Mm -hmm. And, um, so for me, you know, I very quickly um, made the miscarriage public to those in my life. I, I keep a blog, and I, I wrote about it there. I mean, within I remember a few reading days. about it. I do. And, I, you know, I felt like for me, this is different for everyone. I felt like for me, letting it stay hidden, especially at such a distance from my family and community, I felt like it would just heighten the loneliness and sadness of the season. And I know that different ladies handle it differently, but for me, letting others know was just really helpful. And I did that and, you know, in a more indirect way and it did feel really awkward. Um, but I also felt like it was really helpful for me to just, to live life kind of with that choice to say, I'm going to let people into the hard places. Like I'm, I'm not only going to post, um, the posts that are about the funny things my kids do. I'm going to post the things that are hard and I'm going to say, like, walk through this with me because this is a part of life and joy and pain are really closely intermingled. And so I think just letting others in can be so difficult after a miscarriage because it's really painful and you just don't want to talk about it a lot. But for me, that was a way that I could embrace community. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I needed at that time. Mm-hmm. So such a sweet story about my miscarriage. I don't, I don't think a lot of people know this, that, okay. So as I, I found out that I had a miscarriage and, um, as I was in the hospital, I had a kind of a difficult, um, difficult time after that. And, I had to go into the hospital one day and as I was in the hospital, an entire group of ladies from our home church were flying over with my mother-in-law. Oh, Only the Lord could have planned that, oh, right? Wow. From the church Thank that you, we Lord. grew up in, they were flying over for to teach a Bible conference in our city. Oh. And I just felt like the Lord just and I did have a choice. I had a choice like should I can I tell should I tell them or should I not tell them and just letting them in and I felt like the Lord just surrounded me with such sweet fellowship oh as I recovered and grieved and I went out to the village with them and stayed for 2 days like about a week after um after I was more recovered and it was just beautiful to see and it wasn't I, I, it wasn't I think a lot of times when people are grieving we think let me just say the right thing there's not usually a right thing to say, mm-hmm. but right. I think just showing up, like mm-hmm. put a bowl, you know, a bowl of soup on their back doorstep mm-hmm. or offering to watch, you know, if they have other kids, watch their little ones, not, not just a word or a sermon, but just, just showing them like you are not alone. Mm-hmm. You are not alone. And this is grieved by our community because we love you and we, we love life. Right. So that's I hope that's good. helpful. No, for that's somebody. good. I think that's great. That's exactly what I was wanting you to tell. Of, of what we can do to rally around those women that go through this. Um, yeah. I read on your blog, this is a quote from your blog and it says, and this was back to when you wrote about your miscarriage and it said, 
You said, I have to make a choice to look at this world so full of all that's confusing and sin-stained and believe that as it is written, underneath are the everlasting arms. Love that. And those were his arms wrapping you in that. And having your mother-in-law and those women there. That's huge. I didn't know that. That's it, it was such a sweet story because, I mean, that trip had been planned for months, mm-hmm. obviously. And mm-hmm. and I think, yeah, I think that the way that the Lord very often shows us his love is through the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. It is through the body of Christ often. And, um, and so, you know, just, but we have to let people in. We mm-hmm. have to let people mm-hmm. in. And that's part of your healing, too, of letting them in. And a lot of, I mean... I know for years when we were going through infertility, I didn't let people in. I didn't tell anybody about it. And then when I did, it was just overwhelmingly positive. It was overwhelmingly yes. good. I started healing. I started a blog just on that because it was I so I did not healing. know that. And it was just the most freeing thing I could have done. It was so freeing and um, just so encouraging and praying for us. And we have a three-year-old now due to that. And Okay, so I will say this. I saw something on your blog recently about your family game nights. It might have been today, about your family game nights and how the your kids are, like, super, 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 like, competitive. And I'm like, yeah. And I can totally see you getting all up in it. You all they up are, in it. You know, mm-hmm. they come by, honestly, yes, yes. I am competitive. Oh, yeah. I love to win a game. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with wanting to win. I'm I mean. all about games. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's healthy. <laughs> Yeah. So no, David I and I, we love, I don't know if you've played Ticket to Ride. Oh no. my goodness. What is it is that? so fun. I'm it's right a now, really just, it's kind of a complicated game. It's definitely okay. only for the mom and dad, but okay. um, yeah, really complicated. So David and I love to play board games. Okay. Yeah. I'm and all we about are games. trying with our little boys mm-hmm. to just work on good sportsmanship because that is I a big that. That is a big thing in our world right now. Mm. Every everything is a race, Ren. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. we go to get our shoes on, it's a race. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So we are just working on we're working on being good winners That's and good, good losers. I love that. And we have a lot of work to mm, do. Preach, preach, girl. <laughs> Mom <laughs> oh included. Goodness. Mom included. Okay. So there's a couple of questions I want to ask. I like to ask all my guests at the end. Okay. What is your favorite snack you are enjoying right now? Okay, I had to think about this one. Okay. But it is mango season here. Okay. I was and hoping I, you were going to say mangoes. Let me tell oh you how much goodness. I wanted you to say mangoes. They they are so good right now, Ren. Oh I mean, they're just they're just juicy, sweet oh. deliciousness. Oh my you goodness. You can just cut one open and feel uh-huh. like this is everything a fruit was meant to be. I love it. Oh, I love that. Mm, mm, okay, I love that. My favorite snack is pi- uh, pineapple and watermelon. Like Really? I can't get enough Mix, of it. Like, like, do you put it in a bowl together? Or yeah. Just, oh, totally. Yes. Just put it all in. I love it. True confession. Okay. Like, our, we get watermelons all year long because oh. the weather, it's just oh. really hot. And we probably eat an average of one watermelon a day in our house. I that's love that. Not, that's, okay. I mean, maybe one every two days, but it's just not an exaggeration. Okay. We and is really it the big them. ones or the, the, the small ones? The big ones. <gasps> yeah. I love you so much right now. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Well, we only okay. Now I'm thinking big, the big like, ones here are um, like medium size. We don't have okay. the same kind. Okay, we don't okay, have the okay, same okay. Kind. So, so they're put like, that in perspective. Okay, okay, but still, that is that's all. Yeah. And you know how many health benefits watermelon is? I googled it the other day. There's so many benefits. <laughs> <laughs> only me would. I mean, Google like the benefits of a watermelon. Anyway, okay, awesome. Love the mangoes. Mm, I'm gonna have to go get some. Okay. 
what is a book that you're reading right now or that you've read in the past just recently that you are like fired up about? Or I said okay. book or books because you are an awesome avid reader and like I do a book a month and that's about it. And I'm good to do that. So I'm super excited to hear your books that you've been reading. Girl, lately. I do. I love to read. Mm-hmm. I love to read. Um, it is a, it's a big deal for me. So mm-hmm. one, like a serious book that I'm reading right now that mm-hmm. I love, um, that I'm working through is the pastor's wife by Gloria Furman. And, um, I would just, I would recommend it to anyone who's walking with the Lord because she deals a lot with heart idolatry and it has really been convicting for me and really helpful, honestly. Um, so that is kind of a spiritual book okay. that I've kind of been working through. Okay. And then you know, I just, I cannot, I can't be embarrassed about it. I have a very strong affection for children's literature. <gasps> and and Riz, I just read through the entire Little House on the Prairie <gasps> series. Yes. yes. And oh my goodness, it was so good for my soul. I'm yes. not kidding. <gasps> so I just have to say that I was, so we're in the middle of a summer that okay. it was like 114 degrees. <gasps> really? Um, we are, our country is having a water crisis. Mm. So like we I don't have tons of, you know, extra water. My kids are all home from school. Mm. We are in the middle of an international move. And I'm sitting on my sofa in 113 degree heat Mm -hmm. reading um, The Long Winter by Laura Ingraham. And it's about like this awful (laughs) blizzard season in the Dakotas, you know, back in the 1800s. Oh, my goodness. And it was so good for perspective. It was, Mm. I just think that that series, Mm -hmm. um, it's it good. helped me so much to just humble me and say, like, man, talk about joy and mundane. There were whole mm-hmm. seasons of history before us when mundane was a lot more work oh, than not mundane. Yes. And I just I felt like it I felt like those books made me a better mom, made me a better person. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Just, and they were just delightful. Yes. They were delightful. She's a delightful writer. Well, there are so many of my friends right now reading that to their kids. Really? Like, yes. Like, I just, yes. And there was a friend of mine, we went to a yard sale the other day, and she found the whole series, get this, it was 20 bucks. No, it was 25, and I think she got it for 20. I'm like, I love it. That is the best. I mean, pre like already in the package, like still in the package. So, oh my goodness. I know. I know. For her daughter in law. Importing them to, yeah, to myself because, yeah, and the kids have not read all the way through them. Just to be clear, just to be clear, I started the series with my son, but okay. I finished it. I See, finished it. I love that even more. I, I completed the nine book series. Nine just books recently. I yeah. am impressed. They are so that. worth your time. I'm going to, I'm going to have to get them. Get them sure. tomorrow. I'm going to get them. Okay, here's my next question Where do you get your books? Where do you order them online? Hilariously enough, can I even say this? We have Amazon. Okay, we have Amazon. Yes. Yeah, we so do. You and so do it on Amazon, I love it. Me too. I do. Okay. I do. Okay. I do read on a Kindle when I can't get. You know, things okay. like the Pastor's okay. Wife. I cannot get, but classics okay. I can almost always get. Okay. Well, have you yeah. read? Um, I know we talked about the one Mr. Rogers that you read. What about? Have you read yeah. You and Me Forever by Francis Chan about marriage? Have you read that? Have I you have, heard about that? I have not. I mean, I've heard because I think I'm on, um, I get right now media and I think that there's a series on there. I I want to say that there's, there's several series by Francis Chan on there, but I have not read that book. Gotcha. I have it. That's what, what I'm reading right now. That's my month's, um, book. So I'm reading that. And then I just thought to myself, I probably need today. I probably need to read another book on kid discipline. That probably might be good. (laughs) We're season we're in. I probably, why am I, why am I not reading something like that? I need to be, 
I need, I mean, let's talk about the discipline for kids. So I'm going to be, um, I got my shepherding a child's heart here that I'm going to read again. And don't make me count to three. I'm going to read again. And, you know, anyway. Good so. for you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no, don't make me count to three was the one I was going to say. Okay. I, I feel like I always download, like I always have this, you can look back over my like parenting history. And whenever someone turns three, I start downloading parenting books again. <laughs> I love that. Okay, good. Cause I heard that three is the new two, right? I, I mean, is I, it? Yes. I don't know. I, I think that, I think that 15 months is the new two <laughs> in my house right now. So I don't know. That's hilarious. Say. So tell me, so those are great books. Okay. Awesome. I love that. I wrote those down for sure. The whole set, the nine books, it might take me nine months to finish the nine books because I'm doing one a month, but you know, yeah, I mean, I, mean, you know. I, I, I like to read. If I were just, if I were just going to tell you to read, you know, a few, I would say definitely read these happy golden years. It's just so sweet. Wait, and what? It's, it's called These Happy Golden Years? These Happy Golden Years. It's part of the series. It's like the second to last book in the series. Oh, so, in the series. We're still in Little House. We're still in the series, yes. We're still in the series. I'm not moving on. I'm not moving on. Okay, These Happy longer. Little Years. Okay. Happy Golden Years, oh, yes. Happy Golden Years. Okay, perfect. All right. Thank you for telling me that. I will get that. I will need yes. to uh, look and see if I can go to another yard sale and snatch it out of my friend's hands before she can buy it for a daughter-in-law. That's right. <laughs> okay. So last question. How are you keeping it real this week? Girl, my people are keeping it real for me. Okay. They so far this week, let me just be honest. Uh-huh. We've had a case of pink eye. Oh. I have... Two children with viral fever. Um, I think that I might be getting pink eye now. And we are trying to get, we're trying to get like a local police clearance for our next visa. So life is just totally exposing so much sin in my heart, right? Mm. All the time exposing Mm -hmm. it. There's just nothing like motherhood to make you know that you need Jesus. Uh Uh Need it. So I don't know if that, if that is kind of what, where you're going with that question, but yeah. I, I feel like people are just, yeah, I'm just exposed over here. Yeah. My people are keeping, keeping me it real. real. Yeah. They're keeping you real. You're keeping them, everybody keeping it real. Hey, yes. that's, that's what it's all about. Honesty and keeping it real. Yes. Okay. So you're about to leave, um, in a few months to go to a different country and when, when will you go be going and what will you do there? Yes. So, uh, hope our visa in our current country expires this August. So we are hoping to have everything worked out by August and move. We'll move to Europe. We're in South Asia and we're going to move to Europe. Um, and we are, David is going to work with high security, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. people groups Mm -hmm. who, um, would be, we would consider to be pretty adamantly opposed to the gospel, right? Okay. Okay. Yes. So that will involve, um, bless my husband. Like he just, he does love to go and share the gospel with people who probably don't want to hear the gospel. Like he just, he's so respectful and I feel like he can just open up some really good, sweet conversations with people. Mm -hmm. And so he just has a heart to share the gospel. Um, And so he will spend a lot of time doing that Mm -hmm. and a lot of time working with the local church in the city that we're going to in Europe to train them to reach out to internationals because Europe has just become this influx of, um, different nationalities. Okay. And, um, so we will work with internationals in a European city. So there will be. 
there will be no fewer than four languages involved. In wow, we, we will not learn four languages. Okay, but, you know, it's just we are basically we are throwing ourselves into just a cultural mm-hmm. melting pot. Okay, okay, I right. see. Okay, with with the hope that. Um, we could build gospel relationships and, and, and I mean, the That's end goal great. always would be to plant churches um, okay. among, okay. among people okay. who are not currently worshiping Christ. That's okay. the end goal. Okay. Okay. And tell us, how can we pray for you? Yes, definitely the move. And then to get that clearance right. um, immediately. I'm, and I'm just going to say this. And I know, you know, coming from kind of a, our denominational background, this is just going to sound kind of a little edgy, but this is really what I'm praying. This is really what I'm praying. I'm asking people to pray that one of the ways that we have seen kind of in the, in the, um, in these difficult people groups, one of the ways that we're seeing them come to faith is dreams and visions of Jesus. And I'm just asking people to pray with me, um, that there would be men and women in these European cities that would begin to have dreams and visions of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that when we go and try and talk with them about Christ, that their hearts would already be ready because they would already want to know who this loving savior is. That's great. So you can just, you can just pray that in all these pockets of, you know, you look at the news and you think, how on earth could this ever change? And I'll tell you the way that it can change is Christ. It can mm-hmm. change through Christ. And so just, I'm just praying particularly for um, to pray that um, Jesus would change the hearts of the men who are really wreaking havoc on our world right now. Mm-hmm. And that, that Christ would just, he would shine light into that darkness and that they would just, it would be irresistible light to them, that they would just have to know who Christ is. Mm, I love that irresistible light. I love that. Well, definitely yeah. I will commit to so, pray for you for that. And we will be asking our listeners to do that as well. Um, Thank you. It was so good to talk to you, Laura. Like I could Skype with you every single day. (laughs) Thank you so much for giving up your time and this morning, (laughs) for you this morning, tonight for me. And thanks so much for um, being my friend. Oh, I'm going to get all teary. It's just been great to see you and talk to you. My goodness. Thank you so much. This has been really, really fun. So I, I, I genuinely appreciate the opportunity to, to share and, um, Yeah, it's been my privilege. Thank you. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Thanks. Wow. Isn't Laura the sweetest? I really enjoyed talking with her, and I hope you enjoyed listening. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook at the Friends of a Feather page and also on Instagram at Friends of a Feather podcast. And if you would like to have updates from Laura and David, feel free to message me on Instagram and I can get you their contact information. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time.